For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Steve Berman, in for Kate Scott. On today's show, 49ers beat writer Matt Barrows is here to preview free agency in the draft and whether we can expect to see these two important parts of the offseason calendar commence as scheduled. It's Monday, March 16th. So, Matt, the 49ers are mostly working from home, with a few exceptions, I guess. But much like many office employees, including us, time to work from home and telecommute. Have you been able to get a sense of how the coronavirus situation has affected the team's ability to prepare for free agency, the draft, and even stadium operations? Yeah, I I don't think it's affected much. I mean, this is a time of year where they're doing most of their work remotely anyway. I mean, all this free agency stuff, at least the first few days of it, would have been done by phone and by text, a lot of texting. The big question is, and the 49ers are not in this category, but if you're about to land one of these big fish free agents, typically you would want that guy to come in and meet your staff and meet your coaches, maybe do a little board work, uh, and definitely get a physical. And, and no one has been clear on, on how that process will work. I suppose some of that can be done remotely. If you're bringing in a guy who lives in Cleveland and you know a doctor who's in Cleveland, maybe that doctor could do the physical there. A lot of these teams have private jets, so that would sort of uh, remove the airport risk from the equation. But you know, it's something that uh, the, the players' agents definitely are thinking about, and uh, no one's quite sure how that will be conducted in this you know, free agency era of coronavirus. Yeah, and you actually brought up something interesting with physicals because even though it appears that COVID-19 doesn't affect younger people and NFL players are probably healthier than the average even young person, if someone does contract something, then just with the unknown, that could kind of throw in something into flux with free agency just because people don't know how someone might recover. Yeah, absolutely. And and you don't want to spread it to a team's medical staff. I mean, um, if somebody in the medical staff gets it, then what free agent is going to want to come and get uh, examined by that team? So there are some question marks about that. And like I said, I asked that question yesterday and really got no response, or at least a vague response, a, a uh, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it type of response. But, you know, it would seem to be a fairly big one. And, and I don't know whether uh, everybody will understand that this is is this is the case, and maybe there won't be physicals, and people will be given a little bit of leeway if a guy does pop up with a, an ACL. But you know, that would be a big deal. Say the Broncos sign uh, a player sight unseen, and he's got a knee injury that they didn't know about, and they don't find out about it until three weeks later. Well, all of a sudden, free agency is over, and they, there's really no alternate plan that they can go with at that point. So. I've yet to see how that, the physical part of it, is going to be handled. So that just kind of speaks to all the different things up in the air with this situation. And does this really solidify, you think, the 49ers as a team that will do really whatever they can to stand pat instead of making massive changes? That's been their M.O. heading into free agency from the get-go is, uh, you know, let's, let's re-sign our own guys. Let's keep the gang together. We're such a, a good team, a Super Bowl team, and we think that if uh, we kept everybody, we'd have a great shot at going uh, in 2021, February of 2021 as well. 
But yeah, I mean, it just sort of reinforces that. I mean, uh, the unknowns and you know what the medical history is of your guys. So that sort of removes that barrier from that. You know, the, the question is, is a mathematical one with the 49ers. I mean, how are they going to fit all these guys in? The, the franchise tag, for example, is due... Uh, I think the very the very last minute that you can uh, apply the franchise tag is 8:59 a.m. on Monday today, um, and you know the question is: Do the 49ers do that with Eric Armstead? Well, the franchise tag number for him is 19.3 million or something around that number, uh, and right now they've got about 15 million in, in salary cap space. So uh, there, there, there's some there's some math that they have to work around there. Uh, and certainly if I'm Eric Armstead and they apply that franchise tag, I am getting in my car and I'm speeding to the facility to sign that thing because that's a big chunk of change. That's more than double what he made last year. And, and last year there were even questions. Remember, he was on the fifth-year option. The question was, ooh, do we pay him $9 million? Now <laughs> $9 million seems like a, uh, a drop in the bucket for, for what he, uh, he could end up costing the team. Absolutely. And have you heard anything about where they are in terms of extensions for George Kittle and DeForest Buckner? Or do you think they're kind of in a holding pattern with everything that's going on? Yeah, the whole league is in that holding pattern. I wrote about it last week about how all these sort of big things are going to be happening at once. We just mentioned the vote on the CBA. That's what's really been been causing the holding pattern. Everybody wants to see whether, if if that vote passes, then you're you're working under an entirely new CBA, which which changes a lot of things. If it gets turned down, you're in the last year of the current CBA, which which also alters some things too. Teams can, for example, use not one but two franchise tags, a franchise tag and a transition tag. I don't think the 49ers are in that category, but there's a domino effect as far as which guys will be available, who's going to be coming after whom, all that stuff. So the legal tampering period uh, begins on Monday. So a lot of things happening at once, which should spark a, uh, a big flurry of activity. It's been a very slow period because of that CBA vote, all the uncertainty over the CBA. But once the CBA gets voted on, a lot of things happen at once, and uh, um, th- there should be a lot of action all of a sudden. So the 49ers have four key unrestricted free agents. Armstead, you mentioned, Jimmy Ward, Emmanuel Sanders, Ronald Blair. How would you rank those four in terms of how likely they are to be re-signed? <sighs> it's, uh, it's a great question because I think it's all related. I mean, if, if they are able to resign. Eric Armstead, for example, I don't think any of those other guys get re-signed just because there's all of a sudden not a lot of room. You know, I would say that Ronald Blair is at the top of the list. He's not a starter, first of all, so he's not going to get a lot of action uh, in free agency. He's also coming off an ACL tear and a November ACL tear. So there's some uncertainty about, you know, how available he will be to start out the season. It could be that he begins the year on on the pup list and uh, has to sit out the first half of the season. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, the 49ers really like this guy. They might put a value on him that, that's higher than, than other teams do. So he's probably first on the list. And then I would go uh, next uh, with Emmanuel Sanders as, as most likely to be re-signed by this team. And that's because he said in the past, I think when he first got here in October, that, you know, at this point in his career, 
Here he is in his, his early 30s. He's been playing for more than a decade. Wins are the most important thing to him. He's made a lot of money. Being on a winning team is, is important. Now, he might get an opportunity to, to join a winning team like the Patriots or the Baltimore Ravens or, or, or another wide receiver needy team. But he obviously liked it here last year. He was uh, very valued um, on this team. Uh, Shanahan loves him. And I think for all those reasons, uh, he stands at least a decent shot at, uh, at resigning. Uh, Jimmy Ward is interesting because he's still in his 20s. He played a really, he had a really good season last year, but he has, has that long injury history. I think that's probably going to tamp down his market quite a bit. But also the position he plays hasn't historically been a red-hot market for uh, for safeties. And the last guy I think is, is Eric Armstead, just given the fact uh, that he's young, he plays a position that, that is red-hot uh, in the market. And I, I think he will, if he does reach unrestricted free agency on Wednesday, uh, he, he is going to get a lot of attention. Let's say they hold on to the number 31 pick, although you might agree that trading down seems likely if they can find a trade partner. Obvious question mark on this team, is it receiver? And is that where you think they're going to go just because of the depth of the draft, the uncertainties at health with guys like Jalen Hurd and Trent Taylor? And you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders and also a pivotal offseason for Dante Pettis. Yeah, I mean, uh, the depth of the draft works two ways. I mean, uh, you might think that, okay, it, it, even if we don't take one at 31 or, or early in the second if they traded back or something like that, they might be able to find a good guy in, in the fifth round or, or somewhere in the middle rounds like that. Bottom line is is at some point they take a wide receiver with one of their six picks. And again, it could be more than six uh, when uh, April 25th uh, rolls around. But uh, I think that's high on the list. I think that defensive line, especially if, if they lost Eric Armstead, if that were the case, you'd be looking at a starting line that has Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, DJ Jones at nose tackle, and then D Ford at the other defensive end spot, which is a really sensational defensive line. But after that, it starts to get really dicey. You've got Solomon Thomas as one backup. And then you've got Kevin Givens as the other, and everybody else after that is a is a big question mark. So this is a team that loves to have eight guys in uniform at that position on game days, and I just named six. So they, they would need to kind of bolster that a little bit. So I would wonder whether defensive line would be a spot where they, they would try to hit. Uh, and then, you know, I, I think that tight end actually is a, uh, is a priority for them this year. They're going to uh, end up paying George Kittle a lot of money. They've been leaning very heavily on George Kittle uh, in recent season. He plays something like 92% of the snaps. If they, they pay him a lot of money, all of a sudden he, he's like the, uh, the, the Ferrari in the garage. I mean, you want to you wanna take it easy on that Ferrari. You don't want to take it out too often and get it dented up and stuff <laughs> like that. And, and you're also looking at a, a situation where if you had George Kittle and another, you know, I'm, I'm not saying another George Kittle-like tight end, but maybe a little bit better than what you have now on the field at the same time, that's tough for, for defenses to deal with. And um, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, for example, have two really good tight ends, and uh, they make great use of them. And I think that's sort of what the, the 49ers look, their, uh, their philosophy is, is to have uh, this, this uh, very versatile lineup on offense that can run the ball and pass the ball. And, and uh, you know, having two really good tight ends would really sort of personify that. So cornerback was a position that 
looked considerably weaker in the playoffs than it did throughout most of the regular season. They kind of seemed to be running out of steam, at least on the outside. I think Kwan Williams was very nice in the slot all the way throughout. They also got some question marks on the interior offensive line. And as you mentioned, without much cap space and not a huge pile of available draft picks, if they approach one area, which one do you think they'd look to improve first and how might they go about doing that? Yeah, I would say cornerback, Richard Sherman, McKellar Witherspoon, all those guys are signed for the upcoming season. No real issues this year, but but next year, none of those guys are signed, and neither is Joukowsky Tart, for that matter. Uh, and then when you throw in Jimmy Ward, who's an unrestricted free agent this year, uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, question marks moving forward there. So uh, cornerback would be a really smart uh, position to get um, as early as you can get it. Uh, because uh, theoretically you'd have this rookie working for one year under Richard Sherman, learning from Richard Sherman. And then, you know, you don't know whether Richard Sherman's coming back in 2021. So that might be the logical point for a rookie, a 2020 rookie, to, to take over that position. The only guy sort of uh, who's, who's definitely long-term for this team is Emmanuel Mosley, which is, which is great. I think that he needs an elite cornerback uh, kind of working on the opposite side in order for him to, to be good. So that's uh, the secondary is definitely something they need to, they need to think about going forward. Uh, they just don't have a lot of uh, resources, a lot of wherewithal to, to kind of bolster all these spots that uh, probably need some work. What were some differences you noticed with Kyle Shanahan's 49ers and how they handled losing the Super Bowl compared to the 2012 49ers squad that was involved in a much different Super Bowl in terms of gameplay, but kind of similar in terms of leaving with a lot of disappointment and regrets over things they maybe could have done better to bring the franchise at sixth championship? Well, I mean, the togetherness angle stands out first of all i mean uh, in, in 2012 that was you were starting to see the big rifts between trent balky and jim harbaugh those guys were not on the same page in fact no. they kind of retreated to uh, opposite parts of team headquarters and then drew a curtain around them to keep the other guy out at that point so people started to kind of feel that that was uh, that was palpable you know beginning that 2013 season and there was a sense in 2013 like this is it if, if we don't get to the Super Bowl this year, um, that's that's our last chance. And I, I don't think the 49ers have that that feeling now. Everything's been built more organically. Everybody came in at the same time. Shanahan and, and John Lynch were, were hired together, and they, they rebuilt this team from the ground up. So there's been a much more, I guess, organic is the best word, process to this rebuild. And so it all kind of works together. The cap situation is a, a big one, though. I mean, there's only so much they can do. Uh, but uh, I think that the the atmosphere is really good. I mean, you know, all this talk about how teams that, that lose the Super Bowl have such a hard time, and all of it is true. But uh, I feel like the 49ers have a, a great shot at being really good next year and, and going back um, to the Super Bowl, which is what, you know, the team feels as well. So, they're going to do their best to keep that gang together and try to do that. I think that it's uh, it's safe to say that they're not going to be as good talent-wise. They are going to lose some people uh, that uh, that were you know you know uh, very uh, integral members of that 2019 season. So the question then becomes: All right, well, how do they make up that 
that gap in talent, and, and I think that there are ways to do that. I mean, I think Jimmy Garoppolo going into his second full season uh, is one of those ways. I think D. Ford, who had a very uh, light season as far as snaps and impact, if he's even remotely more healthy, more available than he was in 2019, this defensive line could be even better, especially on, on third downs and whatnot. So I think there are reasons for hope, even if uh, not everybody is resigned this spring. All right, Matt. Well, on that, we'll call it a wrap on the podcast. Thank you very much for coming on. We'll continue to follow all of your stuff. I know that uh, you've been keeping in close contact with the team and giving us some good updates during a very interesting time, to say the least, in the NFL. Yes, absolutely. And we'll continue to keep those uh, those things updated. And, you know, this week should be uh, an interesting week. There should be a lot of news. Thank you for all your support of the podcast. If you do have the time to rate, review, and subscribe, we'd very much appreciate it. We aren't going away here at The Athletic or The Update. Despite the lack of sports that we are now suddenly dealing with, we are committed to making sure we inform everyone about how these events are impacting the sports world and what it means to all of you and the teams you follow. Many thanks to Kate Scott for allowing me to fill her massive shoes, and also to Brian and Tanika for bringing the podcast to all of you. Stay safe out there.